Hello, and welcome to Cage Club. Two fans, 100 movies, one cage. This is episode 107, The History of Swear Words. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And Mike, welcome to 2021. Happy New Year. We finished Happy last New year, year strong, and now we are back strong again to start the year with Cage's return to TV. So we did, obviously, The Best of Times, his first episode. But he had a couple SNL appearances, one of which we covered, and maybe one we did on the clip show, but he went back for a weekend update with him and Andy Samberg as Cage. But it's right. almost a decade since he's been on TV last, and, you know, here we are again. Yeah, this is wild. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, since the uh, properly, it has been since The Best of Times, his very first thing, that he's been on, like, a series, like a kind of thing, like, I feel like this is in that variety show sort of vein as well, uh, kind of like still in his wheelhouse. But yeah, this is great. And branching out into new territory pretty much for Cage here with some some Netflix, a Netflix show. If people don't know what this is about, which is on Netflix right now, there's six 20-minute episodes, which they are easy to crush, really fly through. Please give a quick uh, plot summary to people who are curious what History of Swear Words is all about. Nick Cage is our host through the comedic and informative journey of the history of swear words he will uh, guide us as we go through words the history of words such as fuck shit bitch dick pussy and damn which um nick cage says with uh with some great inflections along the way and it's kind of peppered throughout with famous comedians doing um talking to the camera giving sort of their take on these certain swear words and we also get some uh, historians and things like that to fill in some of the gaps along the way uh, and that's pretty much it like you said they're 20 minute episodes they fly by that's about it so what did you think of history of swear words as a whole were there particular episodes because i have a specific thought that i will share after you go but i want to hear what you have to say before i uh before i share my opinion i love the concept of the show the idea of finding out the history of where these words came from like etymology of words in general i just find all of that extremely fascinating throughout history especially since there's so many different languages like this could be an entire uh, series where season two is about the history of swear words, you know, in Brazil or whatever, like pick a country. I thought it was pretty well done. Uh, you know, they lean heavily on the comedic side, and I think that is sort of to sugarcoat them saying these words so often because, mm -hmm. like, as they mentioned, we're still sort of in this flux period with this language. I like it as, on a whole, but what I really wanted, and I realized while I was watching this, is like I wanted the History Channel version or like a hardcore you know, real, real deep dive on these, but we're not going to get stuff like this, this shit on uh, network or even cable TV, you know, they're not going to do an hour on the history of uh, fuck, you know, on AMC as much as I wish they would. And so I was a little disappointed that Netflix kind of like leaned so hard into the comedy side of it. Having said that, I think Cage did a fantastic job. Like, I think he could still host the serious version of this and bring the proper amount of, like, levity that you need still when we're discussing these kinds of things. And I thought he was great. You know, I wish they kind of used him a little more, but I thought for what he was there for as the host, as sort of like this self-contained kind of narrator, the watcher, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I thought he was used really well. And, uh, because he's not necessarily playing like a character or whatever. He's right, just hosting. Right. He's the host. So yeah. I was worried that 
it was going to be all cage all the time, and I and I'm kind of glad it's not. I thought they they used them really well, so I was uh, I was pretty pleasantly surprised with the cage of it. As you know, I have been very nervous about really the memification of him and how he seems to be leaning into it with this and with the immeasurable whatever the talent movie is called. I still don't remember. Right, right. Also with the upcoming Joe Exotic, the Tiger King series, like. All these things that seem to be like, he's always been a punchline on the internet, which is why we started the podcast kind of to be like, hey, he's more than that, right? And like, so I've been on Twitter and on here pretty vocal about, you know, when a new project is announced, like, oh, God, like, come on, man. Like, I just want, because I know that we know, we've shown, we've proven, I think, that he's a good actor. And I want to see him act as opposed to just be like, hey, look at me. I'm Tiger King, right? Yeah. I came into this worried and I was like, oh, okay, I had nothing to be worried about. Like... I think that he, like you said, he's used very well. It's minimal. I like that they have him in the beginning and the end and a little bit here and out, here and there throughout the middle. I can't fault the guy for almost assuredly doing the entire thing in a single day, right? Like, just, <laughs> yeah. Not even outfit changes, not even set changes. He's just like in this like fancy kind of study with a stack of books next to him and like a glass of whiskey or whatever. Like he did this all in probably four hours, right? Like the probably one hour of stuff that he's on screen. He nails a take. Cool. We got it moving on. Like that's cool. Like I'm glad that he was able to do that. Um, that he's the face of whatever this is. Like, whether we get more words, I don't know. I didn't mind the comedy as much, I think largely because I really, truly do like Nikki Glaser a lot. Like, I've seen her on a bunch of podcasts, and I've seen her do stand-up live. Like, I like her as a comedian. I didn't have an issue with that. Like, some other comedians that are on there, like, either I don't know or I don't like as much, but, like, she seems to be, like, if you had to say, of all of them, like, who might have the most screen time, like, she might be the most. Mm -hmm. And, like, I like her a lot, so I didn't have a problem with that. My issue with this, and why I think that, like, I'm good not getting more, is they led with, I think, their two best episodes. Like, I think the episodes about fucking shit are the best ones of the six, and I don't know if it's because they're just the most charged of the words, or if because, like, the shtick that the show does wears thin as you watch like all six in a row like I watched all six yesterday right like watched like three in a row took a break and did three in a row later in the night and like I don't know if it's just because the same format gets a little tired but I'm like yeah I get it I think what's really interesting about the latter episodes is that the episodes about pussy and bitch specifically wade into waters about like the gendered version of those and like talking about that element of it but I feel like they don't necessarily go as deep as they could have or should have maybe like you said 20 minute episodes a lot of comedians they're not going to really get into the true like backbone of like what these words mean I think if you're on the fence about this series watch the first two episodes and then you can stop I think that's a kind of a good barometer. I'm not, do you agree with that, or do you th- do you have a different take on the on the episode quality themselves? So I actually agree with a lot of that. Like I feel like these are misordered for sure. You know, like you need to escalate, or you need to have like an ebb and flow to this. Like you put like maybe put fuck in the middle and shit. Yeah, at the and end. ending with damn is such a whimper, and like they kind of yeah. make a joke about that. But it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, like that. It was also so premeditated like this. Like I just had assumed they shot them and then they just rearranged them and were like, this is a good order or something. But no, there's like kind of a narrative flowing through all of it and everything. And if they were to do more, I think that they should not sort of try to do that, that they should do it so more self-contained, even though they are very self-contained. I also agree with like the comedian things. Like there are some I knew more than others. And uh, like, you know, Sarah Silverman's all over this thing. Sure, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's fantastic, you know, but like just use Sarah Silverman and Nikki Glaser and maybe like one more. Like the idea that they went out and they seemingly interviewed like maybe 15 and then they would sort of 
interspersed them throughout all of the episodes felt very kind of jarring. It's like, why are we cutting back to this guy? I haven't seen him in like three episodes. Like, what's he? Why is he still in this one? You know, like Baron Vaughn and Open Mike Eagle, who I I like both of them a lot. Like, they don't show up to like episode four. It's like, well, did they not have anything to say about like in the good episodes? Like, what do you? I don't understand. Like, where did they come <laughs> yeah. from? That was a little bit of like the awkwardness to it. Uh, I still think overall as a whole, like it worked pretty well like be- definitely better than i was expected like i was also with you like i started getting like closer to your side of the fence with all of this tv stuff and it's a little bit reassuring that this is netflix that it yep. feels less like television and more sort of like a special or things like that mm-hmm. and so that kind of helps it go down a little bit more I- i'm more worried about the joe exotic things coming up and this and that but as far as sort of him becoming like a parody or things like he definitely created a lot more memes and 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 gifts during this that I've already seen been spread around and stuff but I don't know like I feel like he's taken ownership of it in an interesting way where people are like along with him for this direct like they're like oh he's kind of in command of his image again which is nice and like right. he, and like I, that's how I feel anyway that's like the sense that I get and it's sort of like okay now we could follow his lead instead of him like kind of catching up to the awareness of where he is sort of on the internet and stuff like now he's aware now he's sort of like taking control of that I don't know I got a little sense of that with this project so I don't know if you felt anything like that well what I appreciated about this was the, yeah he is generating memes and I think that's kind of the point like you don't have a show like History of Swear Words hosted by Nicolas Cage and like it, like the goal is not to explicitly go viral right like it's just like this mm-hmm. is I'm sure that you could do it in a lot of different ways like you're saying like on a History Channel or whatever where like it's the same content but it doesn't have the same kind of like but you throw Nicolas Cage on there you have him like in this clips and everything like, they built it in a way that was like I think as good as you could possibly have it to go truly viral like everything is just like the stars aligned in that regard right what i liked a lot about the show is the way that they cut in like it seems like they had no problem getting clips from like any movie they wanted to show like the amount of like references to pop culture and like clips from pulp fiction or clips from like the four-year-old virgin or clips from like along came polly shout out P.S. I love Hoffman. Plus even, Hanks movies, too. Money yeah. Pit. <laughs> Hoffman saying, I uh, just sharded. Like, it's cool to see our guys in there. <laughs> I like that they have the clip from Face Off where he said he calls the pilot a bitch. Like, I think that using those kind of popular things. And I also like on the same type of thing, but like a much more subtle lower, less known thing. But in the first episode, before we even see another talking head, in the first minute, he calls back to his deadfall, fuck! And I was like, yeah! yeah. I'm like, no one's gonna get that. Like, people are gonna be like, oh my god, did you see that thing where Nicolas Cage, like, said fuck for, like, 12 seconds, right? Like, but it's like, that's a thing to another thing. Like, we know about that. And so, like, that's for the diehards, I think. And people, they might know, people might know that as a meme in the same way that like, they know, like, Not the Bees is, like, the Wicker Man thing, but they haven't seen the Wicker Man, right? And Or, like, him saying the alphabet is Vampire's Kiss, but they haven't seen Vampire's Kiss. Like, there are things that he has done in movies that have become larger than the movie, and this is such, like, a subtle, small thing. I mean, like, it might have won, I don't remember, like, I was looking at the Cage Club Awards, like, it was one of the most, it's the standout freakout, like, one of the standout freakouts, right? Like, in a career full of them, that was, like, up there at the top, right? And so, (laughs) to have that kind of, like, self-referential nod in a way that didn't feel cheap, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm in good hands with this. Yeah, that was certainly a deep cut for sure. And I feel like that's what I was sort of, I think that's what I was kind of meaning by him sort of like taking, not control of it, but like being consulted at least yeah. and like contributing and like, this is more like, well, what if we, like, you could see them coming to him and being like, well, what movies 
do you want to include maybe or like are there lines from things and he's like you know this one movie like no one's really seen or if they have like it's been a while <laughs> all the, that's a great movie too they're not sort of trying to cheapen anything here i also like netflix does a really good job with their documentaries keeping them sort of short and sweet and making you want to learn more right so i feel like that was a good angle to this as well and i think cage's energy just really sets a nice tone a good mood um i love how they reference like the amount of times that he swears in movies when they get into the whole like jonah hill curses the the breakdown thing yeah i want to talk about that too yeah that's a lot of fun and yeah certainly like um using all of the visual references is like great i was not expecting that i'm just like feel like they've wet my whistle like now i want to go like learn more on my own or i want them to do a second season or i want someone else to sort of do a more like amazon be like let's do the hour-long version of of dick or something i don't know if i want that though like that's the thing so i I, i've always watched a shitload of tv and i've been watching more lately as i've been trying to make because there's no tv on i'm like this is an opportunity for me to like catch up on stuff i missed and there are shows that I'm watching, like there's a show on Hulu called The Great with Elle Fanning, and like it's really, really good, and she plays Catherine the Great, and like I really enjoy it, but it's an hour long, and I'm like, if this was half an hour, I would be so wholeheartedly endorsing this to like everybody, like you have to check the show out, but like at 53, 55 minutes, I'm like, this is just too long, like I'm not, I don't love the show enough, or like I went over to my parents' house recently, and there's this new game show called The Chase, and there's like these contestants, there's all these rules, and like they're answering trivia questions, and then they have to compete against either Ken Jennings or James Holzhauer or Brad Rudder. Like they're taking the all-time great Jeopardy champs, bringing them to this other trivia game, and kind of pitting them against like regular people. It's an hour long, and I'm like, there's no way this show should be an hour long, and like it just feels you feel it. I think the thing that I am most appreciative of with this show is that it's 20 minutes long because we've always talked about how things a lot of movies are the wrong length either like adaptation should be miniseries or like a two-hour movie should be 90 minutes or whatever i don't know that i want an hour of this kind of stuff maybe but i think that this works really well i mean i love when they bring in like the scholars like that woman Corey stamper especially stood out because i was kind of getting like Lindsay gibb vibes to me because like, she has yes. like, dyed hair <laughs> and she kind of looks like the person like i don't know how I'm, this is going to sound but i'm not at all like we love Lindsay. like i'm not trash talking her in in the slightest but like they both look like the kind of person who'd be like oh you look like a boring librarian like Lindsay is a librarian right it's just like oh and then you hear what they're talking about and, like this woman like so versed and like not hesitant at all like oh i'm not only a lexicographer and like working for miriam webster or whatever but like i'm dealing explicitly explicitly with profanity or like you talk to Lindsay gibb and she like knows everything about nicholas cage it's like oh like what i saw did not match the reality. And so I loved that element of it, like bringing them in. And maybe if you have an hour long with just them, but I feel like that's even too, I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah. I think this kind of like what you were saying earlier, what's your whistle, what's your appetite, gets you interested in like, hey, here's the history. Here are these people. There's the books that they have written. If you want to go deeper, do it on your own. But like, I don't think I need 40, hmm. 45 minutes on like any of these. I think I kind of got it. So I've got kind of an interesting idea to like watch through this is like if, because essentially what this really is, is like an hour and 40 minute one shot movie broken up into like, you know, six pieces and stuff. So like, sure. if you were to like watch this in one sitting, it probably 
flows a lot better in terms of balance and what I'm sort of feeling and where I was like, well, some of this episode's a little too comedic. Some of this episode is a little too academic or whatever. And I'm sure they've thought of all the possible permutations, right? I'm sure it's been through their mind and like this was just probably the most consumable way to get everything across. Ultimately, I'm very pleased with like the model and all that kind of stuff. And anything that's like wrong with it is probably just like personal preference, right? Where I'm saying like, well, let's just swap out this comedian for for another professor or this guy for that guy or things like that. So probably the best version of it that could possibly exist is what's like running through my mind right now. But I'm also saying like, if I was going to watch it again, it would be cool if Netflix maybe released um, a version without credits that you could watch all the way through, you know, so like there's no commercial breaks or anything. Uh, Like if you wanted to consume it in that one chunk instead of like binging it as episodes, that would be interesting. That would be that would be an interesting model. I think like HBO is looking to do with stuff where they're like, yeah, we'll release the Snyder Cut as episodes. But then we're also going to kind of put it out as one self-contained film if you want to watch it that way. Like that could be the future of shows. I don't know. I wonder how much of this was dictated by social distancing social distancing and like the limitations of the pandemic because there's no sh- there's no there's no single shot I don't think where there's like another person in the frame so like you have a yeah. small crew past covid tests they all have the talking heads and like I don't know when this was filmed like you know this is way behind the scenes kind of but like I know Nikki Glazer is or at least she was for a long time living in St. Louis with her parents like she was I I listened to podcasts with her as a guest on it in the in quarantine and she was like hey I live in Los Angeles this is going to be crazy I'm going to go where my parents were safer or whatever so I know that she at least for a long time was in St. Louis but it looks like she's in a room I know she's not like flying to Los Angeles to be in this thing so like I don't know how if they like sent her equipment to set up. I don't know what they did, you know what I mean? But, like, Mm -hmm. it all feels like this is all very clean, like, we can do this kind of thing entirely during the coronavirus pandemic and just make it all happen. And I'm wondering if the original vision for the show was different. Like, I think it would have been super cool to have, like, a three-minute interview between, like, Cage and Jonah Hill where, like, well, how do you feel to be, like, the most swearing actor in the history of cinema Mm, or whatever, right? Like, I think that would be cool and, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe he wasn't, maybe he wouldn't care, but, like, I feel like he's at least based on the type of roles that he takes would be down to do that right and i wonder if like if they didn't want to like have him like video chat in i don't know you know what i mean like yeah yeah how could how would this have been different like were there sort of segments planned outside of the studio where they were visiting you know because sometimes you see interstitial shots of like the librarian walking into the library right and then and then sitting down or whatever right uh like that didn't really cross my mind watching it, but that is interesting because, like, I feel like this is a format that's been around. I mean, I'm going to reference a show, but, like, it's been around even before that show, but um, Best Week Ever on the yeah, e like, channel, the right? All those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Like, that is that is this format, and so, like, it's perfectly adaptable uh, for something like this. That's interesting. Like, I'm sort of, sort of straining my brain now to see, like, what would more sort of, quote-unquote, like, live-action segments be? Yeah, that, w- that would be fun to sort of... Uh, brainstorm i guess but that's a good idea too you know like cage interviewing actors or interviewing these professors and asking a question or two himself in the same room i don't know if it would have been better but it would have been different right and like having men on the street like they go out to Times square or whatever they have like nicholas cage or just somebody like well what do you think of the word fuck and like where you know what's your favorite use of movies or whatever right like yeah billy on the street you could get him to run around and be like say pussy say damn it (laughs) but i also wonder you know like netflix also 
like a couple days before the the year ended, they put out the Death of 2020. The Black Mirror producers made that Death of 2020, which was okay. It was fine. Like there were some good moments in there, but that was again a, the same kind of thing where it's like one talking head kind of doing this like fictionalized version. Like I wonder if you do something like that. Like I appreciate endlessly, truly, how like different content providers and whatever can like figure out a way to create something safely and effectively in the pandemic that isn't like like I like host that movie that side that horror movie that came out that was all on zoom but like I don't need another one of those unless it's like really good right like yeah we kind of we kind of did that right or like there's like the show on CW like Penn and Teller fool us where they normally have a bunch of magicians on on set in Las Vegas at the residency that Penn and Teller have and they come out and do a trick and Penn and Teller in front of a live audience try to dissect the trick and they did a couple episodes where it's like here's magic you can do from home and like I get that but there's something being reminded that we're trapped inside and like things have to be different not defeats the point but like cheapens it in a way like I don't want to see Penn and Teller at home I'd almost rather like have that out of sight out of mind like I get this the the network wants to make money or whatever you know what I mean but like yeah I like things like this or Death of 2020 where like it's pretty clearly filmed in the pandemic but done in a way, and again, that goes back to what you are saying before with Netflix and the documentaries, done in a way where it doesn't feel out of the ordinary. It's like, oh, this is just right. how it always is. Yeah, yeah. You could always sort of tell whatever it is where they're trying to craft the content into a different form almost, like you're saying with like the Penn and Teller show. Like it's not designed to be sort of from home or, or this right. and that. And like with, with this, like you've never been able to really tell like in the past, like are these people even – in the same, you know, like they could just send crews out to the corners of the of the earth and film people, and then reassemble this footage in the studio. Work that model ten years ago. It's like you know, it's in the back of your mind, but it's like, oh, but this is the kind of show that always did it that way, as opposed to a show that's trying to sort of twist it to right. stay on the air. I kind of think of this early example early on with I think it was Blacklist. Like they ended up doing this super fast crunch and animating the last like act of their final episode because they couldn't film it in person right Mm -hmm. that's kind of an interesting solution to a problem once you know thankfully they didn't come back as like an animated show this season you know what i'm saying but like that would sort of be the thing it's like well what if they did come back as an animated show like that's sort of like forcing it into a different form and like cheapening it or just like creating a whole different context but it's uncomfortable to say the least and i feel like this is sort of like a new phenomenon we're experiencing with television during the pandemic i was listening to a podcast recently i think it was it maybe three i think it was probably three of them and scott Ackerman was talking about how like he watches holy moly and apparently they had filmed almost the entire season before the pandemic hit and the only thing they had left to film was like steph curry who hosts the show like meeting the families and so they just animated that and it's just like oh like you can you can salvage it but it's also like watching you're like that's weird and like mm-hmm. it, i think there's a very fine line as we're all figuring out and i hope that we're closer to the end of this in the beginning but like there's a fine line between figuring out what feels i don't want to say on brand but feels like oh i understand why they're doing this or whatever and being like oh i know why they did this like it's like a it's a, it's a weird thing to describe or to define i think it's like oh like you did a smart thing as opposed to like oh you had to do this thing yeah finding a creative solution to the problem <laughs> like i like that they went through with like the Hayes code going into the mpaa and talking about like the origin of stuff but like oh you know what's real fun if i may just real quick about the Hayes yeah. code and stuff is like they mentioned that you couldn't say god and uh over on 
on the monsters that made us during the Frankenstein episode, like we talk about, they cut God out of the Frankenstein, Frankenstein. episode, right? Yeah, and it was just mm-hmm. like a hard splice, right? So like they really didn't care. They just did not want you to hear that word. <laughs> I also like, you know, like by God's bones. Like I think what I think <laughs> yeah. one of the, the, the overall kind of takeaway from that I got from this was the evolution. I mean, it's something that you understand, but I think this like puts it in context of like, it's kind of the idiocracy effect sort of where it's like everything just becomes more crass as time goes on. But like, mm. they're positing that like in a couple decades, like shit is going to be as, as innocuous as damn. And by the end of the century, like fuck is going to be the same thing, right? Just like, who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Like they talked about how like damn was like the worst, like they had to fight tooth and nail to get it in the end of Gone with the Wind. And then Kendrick Lamar literally wins a Pulitzer Prize by, al- by titling an album damn and like having this amazing rap album, right? So like yeah. the evolution of language and meaning and context and profanity and whatever, I think that's all fascinating. I think, again, like going back to the earlier thing, like I think I kind of got it. Like I don't think I need more because it's like, oh yeah. But I think at the same point, like a lot of this is just like kind of understandable, like, oh yeah, like of course, like we're all going to like. Yeah, a lot of it feels mostly like a refresher kind of course like you already kind of knew most of this or at least like you were thinking this way or that way about it and like we're just here to confirm like most people are on the same page about a lot of this stuff Uh, it's kind of interesting because growing up like my grandparents are both from other countries and you know shit to them was just like that like just garbage whatever like it wasn't a crass word around the house and damn like I'm not from a religious family like at all so like it took me forever to even realize that like that was such a strong curse word out of the list here, the one that hits the hardest in modern day for me is is definitely bitch. Like, just even hearing myself say that, there's something sort of like, it's almost like, I don't want to say that word, as opposed to like, these other words I'll throw around like, all day and night. What I was very blown away by was that uh, in in the bitch episode, but they were talking about Lucille Bogan, who was that like old timey jazz singer from the thirties, yeah. who was like, "I'll <laughs> suck your dick and I'll lick your cock." And it's like, wait, people are like, listen, like what? And then like, I was like, oh, it's like Cardi B. And then a couple episodes later, when in the pussy episode, they reference WAP. So like, they had clearly yeah. done this recently because like it, it, they reference the thing from this year. And I'm like, holy shit, man! Like, what is going on? And like, just seeing these comedians who like obviously have no, I don't want to say have no filter, but like will say whatever. Like, they're not really like they're. Expl- how like these words are mostly like a net good as opposed to net bad like they're not offended by it or whatever and listening to this woman like on these like old time like phonograph basically be like what are you saying like that, <laughs> yeah. that was amazing like first of all time's a flat circle right mm-hmm. like uh second of all like that is like an incredible thing i don't know what do you call that kind of like that's a social distancing thing of a whole different type where it's like socially we're so removed from that time period to realize like I can't believe that they would say that then but then again like last night I was just I was watching King Kong on Turner Classics and that's from 1933 I think 33 Mm -hmm, 35 mm -hmm. right and first episode of Monkey Club baby featuring me and it's a murder spree like King Kong is just murdering people like for like like nonstop, especially when he gets to New York, he's just consuming human beings. Like, like it is shocking now to think about how shocking it must have been then. And like, so that's a, sort of got that same feeling from these comics, being like, "Wow, I'm a comedian. Like, I'm into comic com- comedy history. Like, you know, a lot of these people are also into music and things. So it's kind of funny to think like they didn't even dig up these records on their own or anything. It's the, you know, because I'm sure they all like have that George Carlin record in their collection to words you can't say on television and right. all that kind of thing so it's funny how they didn't dig and keep going back and like what is the first sort of like recorded dolomite of her day kind of album 
just um, it just like just truly amazing. Like you know, we talk about on Too Fast Too Forever. Like I I've said a couple times, and I actually was talking to Brian, host of High School Slumber Party on this very network. The average movie, and I feel like, and this is something like he came around on. But I'm like, look, I think objectively, I don't think there's any question about this. The average movie today is better than it's ever been. I think that there are more bad movies today, and I'm not disputing that. All of these movies that people are unsure of are going to fade away. But like when you think of the 40s, you think of like Casablanca and stuff. Like you're not thinking about all the other movies that like were just objectively terrible like that people didn't know what it was yet and like you look at a movie like fantasy island which i was referencing on too fast i was talking to joe about this recently the, the uh, new one the original yeah, tattoo like, the, like which was one of my least favorite movies from last year like it's i think rough. i think subjectively i'm like this is so boring it's poorly plotted out like i don't like much about this but like objectively looking at it, like it's beautiful it's technically amazing like everything about it is like oh my god and like if you show that to like theater audiences in like the 30s you'd be like holy shit like what is this like that's amazing yeah. Yeah. But, like, it's, like, the inverse of that, where it's, like, in the 30s, like, this, clearly Lucille Bogan was not, like, the most popular artist of her time, but, like, she's still out there doing this thing, and, like, it's it's um, it's really funny to me that we talk a lot about, like, bringing up Scott Arkham again, like, making fun of people in the 1800s who, like, were terrified of that train coming at them, right? Where it's, like, because they've never seen that before. They're, like, oh, my God, is there a train in this auditorium? Like, I thought I was safe watching this movie, then they all scream and run out. But, like... To be almost equally shocked by a thing from that time, it's like, oh, it does go both ways. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting phenomenon, you know? Like, I, I often think about, like, the lost movies that we're never going to see, the lost music we're never going to hear, like, things that are out there that we just don't have time to even discover, or things from another country. You're right, it's incredible what will, like, endure and what has that lasting and staying power, and... For the most part, it isn't stuff like her. It's the clean vanilla stuff, you know? It's the stuff that uh, the Hays Code passed, not the stuff that slipped through the cracks or anything like that. Um, and which is also, I think, spawned, like, uh, another phenomenon where they sort of talk about Rudy Raymore and things like that, where it got to a point where people did kind of forget about this sort of thing and, and had to be reminded, like, we can do this again, you know? And that spawns, you know, or maybe around the same time you get, like, like Richard Pryor and and George Carl and like these guys that use swears again, you know, and I'm like that's or and women and well mostly comedians I think of right where that like take the ownership back or like entertainers at least and things and so musicians again like uh, N.W.A. and that yep. whole thing mm-hmm. and like all the drama with that and you know <laughs> Twisted Sister that got involved in things and it harkened me back to like when uh, Mr. Rogers had to go and, like, testify in front of fucking Congress and the Senate, all that kind of shit and stuff. So, like, it feels like it's never going to get resolved, yet at the same time, it feels like there's been progress. Yeah, it's like an ongoing... I guess that's history, man. It just keeps going. (laughs) Any other thoughts about the history of swear words? I have one other person I want to mention. I want to mention Downtown Clay Davis, a.k.a. Isaiah Whitlock, who, you know, if you've watched The Wire, one of the most famous repeated quotes is one of the episode titles where it just go he she like he's it's Amazing. so perfect and the guy has kind of made a career and like they even show a clip of in this thing of from the five bloods where you know the new spike lee movie where he says the line the same way right like it's like a reference it's a callback it's a harken back to that like i love that they got him there like i wasn't even thinking about like who to get but like to get the shit guy, and I say that in, like, the best possible way to talk about the word shit, like, I think it's amazing, but I thought that was really cool. But any other thoughts about history of swear words before we, you know, look ahead to whatever comes next? I would like to see maybe Cage host a different 
documentary, like the history of something else. Um, you know, sure. I, they do like the toys that made us and the movies that made us and things. And like, this feels very much in that sort of the evolution of that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know, like, what that could be. You know, the history of, you know, fine wines, maybe. I don't know. But, like, I liked to see him used in this way, used in this way. Like, I I, I mean, I don't think he was being used. Like, I, he was, you know, complicit in what he was doing. But, like, I like that he was down for this. Like, this feels right for someone of his status and prestige and character and stuff. Because it kind of reminds you, like... A, that he's still here. B, that he's fucking on point, you know? Like, he is on point in this one. Like, he's he's into the material. He's articulating perfectly. Like, a lot of great sort of interesting Cage. I think almost of, like, Christopher Walken now when I think of Cage, where it's like he just has his own way of speaking. No one else just talks like this guy. Uh, and he's earned that. And I just think this is great. I think a lot of people who sort of maybe not wrote him off, but, like, maybe just were like, oh, yeah, he's around like they'll watch this and maybe check out a lot of his other movies now and so like it almost feels like you know another step in the right direction i'm a little worried though about the tiger man thing so let's like mention that as little as possible but for this i'm down with this i i'm really interested in what like i wasn't even thinking about using like the history of as like a building block for a franchise but i think that makes a lot of sense i was just thinking like wondering if we could do more of these episodes and like I don't know that you can. Like, there are other words, but I feel, as we mentioned earlier, there's kind of the, the law of diminishing returns where it's like, oh, some of these, like, aren't even, like, even in the initial run, right? And, like, where do you, go? like, you can't do, like, like the history of the N-word or, like, the C-word or, like, because they talk about, like, the, the big taboo today is not profanity, but it's it's swears, right? Or not swears, it's, like, it's uh, slurs. Like, you know, the hard F. The hard F, yeah. Right? Like, but you can't do, like, that's not interesting. That's just, like, a, oh, like, look at the history of these repressed people, right? And, like, that's a whole other thing that is not nearly as entertaining or fun or breezy or, like, will go viral, right? Like, it just... Yeah, the only one that feels missing from this list is, like, asshole. But, like, then again, like they touch upon that you know right. like where you're right i you don't want to tread into that other territory i feel like you're going to get too political and maybe you're going to lose the fun of it all and i think ultimately that's what they've captured is like we're able to have a frank discussion about these words in a fun and interesting way to get you engaged you know so normally at the end of these episodes we do our run through of the bingo squares but i think because this is so unlike everything else that he's done i don't think that it would make sense cuz like that's really more for narrative stuff so i think we'll skip this for now but hopefully yeah. we'll be back soon with like pig or wally's wonderland or something there's a couple more that we're going to get this year i think for sure that we previewed last time but at least if nothing else the streak continues every year since 1981 <laughs> he's had something come out so that's now 41 years in a row that nicholas cage has released a thing and it's just bless him for it i'm really looking forward to wally there's been lots of cool sort of um, marketing going on about that uh, I thought this was a great way to start the new year, like Cage right out of the gate. Now, Joey, I don't have to worry on any other podcasts yep. mm -hmm. about like if we're going to get any Cage. Like this is this is cool. So close to like the end of last year's Cage. So yeah, the only thing I'm worried about is like, are they going to release this on Blu-ray so I can put it on my shelf in my little collection? Netflix <laughs> does release things. I mean, I, I bought... I remember, and again, I I, re I will clarify by saying that I returned this, but I bought when the first season of House of Cards came out. I'm like, I like that show. I want to own it back when I was, like, buying everything, right? Like, I still mm -hmm. buy a ton mm -hmm. of stuff, but, like, I was buying everything. And then, like, I thought about it. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, this is never going to not be on Netflix, and there's no special features, and, like, it's not my favorite show. Like, 
what? And like, I just returned it. I'm like, you, yeah. I think they do. I don't know that they're going to release this, but like they do release things. So it'll be interesting. Okay. I don't know. Maybe if, yeah. and if it does go out, we will buy it. I know I will speak for you and, you know, certainly I will speak for myself that for sure. Yeah, they should do it is the bottom line, right? Like, yeah. And, and also I think of the people that don't have Netflix, like let them experience as much as they can. Because they didn't release the Godzilla anime trilogy that they put together on Netflix. I had to go, you know, to Huggy Bear from a friend of a friend of a friend on eBay to get copies of those on DVD, no less. Yeah, and also I know Kill Chain isn't available in America on Blu-ray, so you have to get, like, a Canadian version if you want that right now. So it's really fuzzy and weird with all these VOD releases, like, what's actually going to get a chance to come to the actual house in physical form? Yeah, that's the whole state of the industry now, with just lots of things, just not, you know, people, like, people don't buy a Blu-ray, so we're not even going to put it up, but it's like, but I do, get one, yeah, let me yeah. buy the thing, but... Dude, you know what I wouldn't give for an audio commentary for Jiu-Jitsu from the director? <laughs> or maybe, the like, the, the writers of the comic book? If you're listening to this, we will be back at some point, but every Tuesday, check out Too Fast, Too Forever, the Fast and Furious podcast that I host with my co-host Joe Two, who has been on here a while back on Inconceivable, but maybe other other episodes too. Mike will be on at least one episode, if not more, actually probably more than that, because he'll be on a special episode we have not announced yet, but also the F9, when we get to it again, we will be on for that too. Can't wait. I just remembered that John Cena's in that movie. Like, yeah, it, I, I totally forgot that part of it in a, in a year. <laughs> yeah, maybe Jacob Toretto, or I mean, Dom's brother, we know that. Uh, check out the third of the month of your podcast, Third Time to Charm, and the last Friday of every month, the other podcast you mentioned earlier, the Monsters That Made Us, and Thank all you. 27, 28, I don't even know right now, shows at cageclub.me. Most not in production right now, but we still got a handful of active shows, so go check out cageclub.me slash shows. But for all things Cage Club, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, mailbag at cageclub.me, and come back some point in the future for some other Cage episode. Well, we'll figure it out with you. I mean, we're all looking forward to whatever the next thing that he's got for us will be. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time right here on Cage Club. Cage Club.